This is Art Unleashed with me, Jonathan Monroe. This week I had the pleasure to chat to the painter Karen Nahol. As the lockdown restrictions are slowly eased, we are starting to see a certain level of normal life return. I'm still continuing this season of the series remotely. Kara discusses her postponed solo show from April, how she and her parents treasure trove of home videos to pour through for inspiration, and we also discuss the lack of human figures in their work and how analog photography is allowing her to see the world in different ways. Check out Kara's website to see her work and please like, subscribe and share. And here is the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Kara. Um, how are you doing? Uh, good. Uh, thank you for inviting me to be part of it. Um, it's... Uh, Lovely that we get to uh, catch up, obviously, in these times. Um, Just so everyone knows, uh, whereabouts are you at the moment? Um, So I'm in Walthamstow in London in uh, my house. And uh, yeah, I've been here the last two months. And uh, like everyone else, trying to find some kind of refuge in their home and um, figuring out a new routine and taking up new hobbies and getting through books that have been collecting dust. So yeah, I found real moments of joy here actually. So I'm grateful for that. Great. So uh, we are currently at the kind of strange second stage of this lockdown, aren't we? So uh, we're yeah. allowed to go out a little bit more and kind of sort of see one friend, but um, I don't know about you, but I'm finding it very um, still quite disruptive and a little bit confusing what to do with myself some days. Uh, yeah. If you find the same thing. I think I've found out by myself that I'm a real creature of routine and that if I don't have a really rigid routine, I kind of fall apart and fray at the edges a bit. So I was, I was quite strict early on in working out what would be best for me and that, you know, doing exercise first thing in the morning, getting up really early, eating really well, um, making sure I have things to do for the day. And uh, yeah, so it sounds really boring, <laughs> quite strict, but it's, it's that kind of, I don't know, those parameters keep me, keep me going and actually keep me sane. Um, yeah, and I've, I got a bike not too long ago, so that's been exciting. And I've been cycling around my neighbourhood and discovering all sorts of new pretty places. Yeah, it's lovely around there, isn't it? If you go to the marshes, um, is that where, have you been there much? Yeah, I've been to the wetlands quite a few times now and uh, and trying to venture a bit further beyond that. So I'm still, still a bit nervous on the roads because I'm not really used to cycling on like London busy roads, but uh, getting there, slowly building the confidence. But yeah, it helps having like really interesting places to go and visit and explore. So we are here uh, to explore your, your, your practice, your artistic practice. So um, obviously we're all a bit disrupted at the moment, but um, would you mind uh, informing the audience what type of practice you have? Yeah, um, so I'm a painter and I've pretty much always painted. Um, I, it was never really um, a question for me to paint. It always just seemed like the right language in which I wanted to express my ideas and concerns. And the paintings that I'm making now um, are, I would, I don't know, in a very um, simplistic sense, I would describe as either landscape or still life paintings. But for me, they, I don't know, those terms are a bit 
uh, they're a bit flat, I guess, because they don't really imply or give a sense of everything that they're about, but that's probably an easy entry point in. Um, and they're largely inspired by places that I've been to and traveled to, but also my childhood memories of um, having visited the homes of where my parents are from, which are uh, Malaysia and Mauritius. So I spent a lot of time um, when I was growing up visiting uh, our families back home. And um, I would say at the crux of my work has been this kind of desire or intrigue to try and piece together those memories of going back there and either having a very romantic or maybe even melancholic view of those memories and trying to reconcile that with having grown up in the UK my whole life. So um, the places that I paint, I would say, are kind of composites of all these places, either from memories that I've physically been or memories that I've kind of wrongly remembered or places that I've been to recently that I've found fascinating and wanted to incorporate them into sort of these kind of semi-fictional spaces that I paint. So um, how often did you used to, uh, to visit when you were younger then? Was it like a yearly visit or more often? Yeah, we would alternate between the two. Um, so you know when you're young you have these really long summer holidays so we would just spend each summer holiday either in Malaysia or Mauritius so it sounds really um extravagant and I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know how lucky I was um for quite a long time I have to say uh but yeah it was they were great you know they were just amazing holidays and I look back on them really fondly um yeah, they just become such a rich resource for me in which to make work from. So um, I'm interested to know as well, then, in that case, um, do you have photographs of that time? Did your par- Were your parents avid photographers or anything like that? Yeah, my dad actually is a really keen cameraman. And like a lot of them I recorded on sort of <laughs> really, uh, really funny, like old, you know, I can't remember those like mini VHS tapes that you would put into a camcorder and then <laughs> record onto these tapes. Yeah, yeah. So we have these like endless videos that this big archive of videos that my dad recorded, which none of us are like brave enough to like go in and sort out. <laughs> but every now and again, like someone can like summon the energy to like put it on the TV and we'll watch a few. But uh, yeah, we there are a lot of photographs from that time and um, and photography has been really important to me in my work and it's not just the photographs that I've taken or that my parents have taken but also a lot of the photographs before I was born and when they were really young have become really um, important to my practice. There are like a few key photographs um, that I consider kind of like really important to me. Um, So I spend a lot of time looking at them and like revisiting them every time I make every time I make like a new series of work I sort of go back to the photographs to have a look at them again and sort of remind myself of like you know that first moment of intrigue that little trigger that kind of sets off a whole a whole uh, series of work so so yeah phot- photographs are, are really key it's interesting you mentioned uh, your memories earlier as well isn't it and the idea of photography and um how we can kind of 
encapsulate a memory, but actually it can change memories quite a lot. I think, can't it? When I look at photographs of things, I actually can't really remember the moment. I can only remember the scene in the photograph. Have you ever Mm -hmm. found that as well? When you look at those uh, past documentation of your childhood and it's not quite real, but it becomes real through the, the feedback with the world with the image as well yeah I think when I I went actually to uh, Mauritius earlier this year um, just and came back just in time before the lockdown happened um, but I took a film camera with me because I wanted to try and play with photography that was different to just kind of snapping away on my phone so kind of going back to that very old a traditional view of, of photography but it really did help like it seems very obvious to you know especially in terms of photography to think about like the slowing down of a pace and like of looking at something and then using film and knowing that you only really got one sh- one chance to make it count so that that helped me of, was it um 35 millimeter or did you was it another format yeah it was 35 millimeter and um, it was expensive Kodak film and um, so it really yeah there was like high stakes on these photographs really (laughs) Um, but it did allow me to just think about what I really wanted to capture in the way that I don't when I'm kind of mindlessly snapping on my phone which is more just become like a quick library reference you know like reference of things that you've just seen and spotting you need to get straight away but with the photograph because I knew that I wouldn't really have a lot to do when I was there <laughs> so I thought actually the film camera would give me the the time and the space that I needed to go out walk around like my dad's village think about where I wanted to go and visit and uh, the things I wanted to capture so yeah when I when I developed those films when I came back they were just so they were just amazing that feeling of like no, first of all that like they turned out like okay <laughs> and they didn't get destroyed by my kind of amateurism <laughs> and, uh, and then they were just more I mean they were just more beautiful than I thought they'd be like this is that quality of film that's you know you can't reproduce in anything else and um, it just had this really painterly touch and when I saw it I was like oh yeah this is what I needed then to like go into the studio and uh, and make work from yeah, I find personally, uh, I'm a bit obsessed with um, Polaroid film, and uh, that's even more expensive. But um, it has that kind of quality, a bit like digital, where you can see the image relatively quickly, mm-hmm. um, and it's yeah. instant. So you don't even have to do the whole getting home and developing thing. Um, but the qual- the image quality, isn't it? It's uh, the, the the mistakes and all those added extra things that just don't quite feel the same with digital I think yeah and I think it's that relationship that seems quite similar to painting that prone to mistakes having a certain relationship to light that can't be captured in like a digital way um especially and and getting that sense of someone having slowed down and taken the photograph I think that's really more apparent in a film photograph than uh, a digital one um at least you know one taken on a phone anyway um so yeah they I would say you know like the photos I took they're not necessarily with any photographs I take I don't actually sort of then go to the studio and then replicate some sort of the images that I've I've made but rather they work in the same way where I'm trying to capture like what a place might feel like or or smell like or kind of 
what it looked like at that time of day and those are the kinds of things that I'm interested in when I'm I'm painting well that's interesting because I was um I was trying to think how to um think about your work so before uh, this interview I, was, I wrote down a few things so uh to me um the words that came to mind was otherness uh, I put okay. otherness location and I said uh, not English light and light of other lands um, mm -hmm. and I was just kind of I'm curious I've got several questions from uh, uh I mean I've seen your work in person and um, I've seen some of the newer things I haven't been able to see on your website as well. Um, I'm curious to know uh, several things, like obviously you've talked about um, it, it is an English light, obviously, because it's um, it's uh, in very, very different climates than the one here. So um, do you ever paint uh, anything here or all your paintings uh, based in the same kind of other world? There does feel like the otherworldliness to it, to me, personally. Um, yeah, I do uh, paint um, things that I've seen here, although it's not, I mean, I can see how it might not be immediately noticeable because I think in the first instance, when someone looks at my work, um, I think, yeah, they do think of somewhere that's elsewhere and of somewhere that's not, not from here. And uh, I think, what interests me is, um, you know, what makes people think that? Is it the actual forms within the painting or is it something as simple as like the colour? Um, and, you know, it's funny because the other day I was cycling and I went past a construction site and someone had painted these big blocks of geometric colour on this hoarding, like this bright um, fuchsia pink and this really intense yellow. And I stopped to take a picture of it because I just thought it was really really interesting so a lot of sometimes the references that I I take are you know they're sometimes as simple as like graffiti on a street in London or um or then it could also be you know a house that I've seen in like in the south of Spain so I think it for me it's mixing up those a lot of those references together because I think I'm always trying to question this idea of what makes somewhere like somewhere you know like when you go visit a place um and a lot of the buildings might have been built by people who either formerly lived there or governed there so you know and they might be from a different country so a lot of those a lot of the times when we are in a place you know like is it ever truly fixed you know can you truly say that somewhere is yeah. is british or somewhere is something else so i think i'm trying to uh, just untangle that a bit more and play and, you, and play on those assumptions is um would you say that this is a response to kind of your um, your background your your parents um heritage and your your um do you see london as your home as as the place that you see yourself or do you feel like you're in this kind of uh middle ground of a place um not quite here if that makes sense yeah i mean i've always felt displaced I don't mean that I think when I I'm conscious of using that word because it sounds negative but I, I think it comes from actually a very empowering place because it gives me this impetus to make make work and I think it's interesting to talk about um so I think for me homes is really 
it's, it's a multitude of places for me. And I think, especially during lockdown, a lot of people are thinking about what home means, whether home means sort of the physical house that you live in, like the bricks and mortar of it, or is home where your parents live, or is home like where your other family live. So I think just to allow it to have this multiple meaning is really important. And, um, and I think the displacement comes from I think it's not so much questioning whether London is is my home because I mean it is and um, I think it's thinking about uh, sort of it in a broader sense like when I first started painting um, I was a figurative painter and the work that I made I soon sort of became quite dissatisfied with because it wasn't really uh, God, I don't really like the word identity, but I'm going <laughs> to use it just because I can't think of something better. But I'm thinking about identity and it was becoming a very like singular idea of identity. But what I really wanted to do was like, well, my identity is not so much just about where my parents are from. It's also about being a woman, about being um, a British, whether I'm a British person or am I a British subject? Um, you know, do people even see me as a British person? So there are a lot of other things associated with the idea of home that I don't think are always so um, related to just about like where your cultural heritage might be. So I guess it's trying to think about all those other things that I find really important to me as well. Well, I'm, I'm interested to, um, to ask you another question then about your practice. So you mentioned that uh, before uh, initially you were looking at figurative work, but one of the things quite noticeable your paintings is the lack of figures. Um, so what, sh what is there a reason for that, that you've chosen? Um, the, I would almost say they're quite architectural in some ways. There are often plants involved as well as buildings, um, but there's a lack yeah. of figures. Um, uh, I'm assuming be... that's intentional. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, gosh, this might be a long answer, so, so bear with <laughs> me. <laughs> uh, so going back to, um, photography and I mentioned that there were a couple of photographs that are really important to me so there's this one particular photograph that I have which is of my mum when she's about four years old and um, she's with um, her parents and her siblings and it's a photograph of a very formal photograph taken in front of this kind of very uh, idyllic landscape it's one of those like classic uh, portrait shots in a photography studio type type image so they're all lined up in a straight line um, everyone's dressed really nicely um, and in and then in the backdrop um, there's this kind of really hyper real tropical landscape and I remember I was looking at this photograph in particular and I was um, studying my master's at the time and one of the classes I was taking we had to we had to write about a photograph and so I chose that one because I thought initially that I was going to paint that photograph as it was because that's what I was doing at the time I was replicating images that I'd seen and when I started writing about the photograph I realized I was much more interested in like the architectural space of the photograph and like what made up the photograph and it was like all these other components and it wasn't actually about the figures it was about how they presented themselves in front of this backdrop in front of this landscape and for me that felt that I, I 
think there was like a parallel to painting that I found there in the way that people look at images or the way that sort of painting can inhabit space in the same way and it becomes a backdrop as well to people inhabiting or walking around in a room so there was that first and then secondly it was like this idea of this landscape like giving way for this sort of performance of identity to happen or this landscape as well that projected a sense of place suggesting sort of this hot tropical country of where my grandparents live but also really not saying anything else about it like it was also a place that was nowhere because it was so vague and it was just stood just to serve as this pretty image and uh so i remember thinking about this landscape and i was thinking like what would the landscape look like to me the one that i could sort of imagine myself being at home in or like wanting to stand in front of and say this is who I am or this is who I think I am um, so that actually gave way to me thinking about painting landscapes and and slowly removing the figure because I realized it wasn't so much the figure that I needed I needed in the paintings for that discussion to happen and that I could also talk about the human presence without having people in it, you know, so you mentioned the plants and um, for me, you know, they become like a stand-in for the figure and also sometimes there's objects in there as well and I sometimes think that it's enough just to have the implication of a human presence as opposed to having a person within the space itself. Yeah, yeah I... When I saw the the plants, like uh, the pot plants and things, they definitely do look like figures themselves. Um, yeah, I, it's really hard to to when I look at your work. I, I'm always kind of a bit lost to decide what I think, and I think mm. that's an amazing thing. Like, um, there's no quick judgments or question. There's lots of questions, but there's no. Um, I'm never sure what I think, and I I don't know. If other people have ever mentioned that to you before or um there's like um like your choice of colors uh i always find quite interesting there's they're never very dark are there um they often use um the lighter palette shades um what is it when it comes to color then how what how do you choose your color palette uh color i think has been really important aspect of my my work and I think um you know if you're fortunate enough to be able to see color in that sense then you know it's it's such a personal language and for me it's such a great way to think about how to communicate certain moods or feelings that I want in a painting without even having to do much else so uh when I'm thinking about color it's it really is very intuitive actually because when I start painting or when I start thinking about painting rather um so I will sketch out lots of ideas for work and then these are all charcoal drawings or like pencil drawings so they're always black and white and for me that's just a way to decide whether an image like will look like a painting because a lot of the times when I've sort of just gone straight into painting and then I've arrived at the end I think oh I don't think that's actually a very good painting like <laughs> why um, so it allows me to to like work out at least formally what would work and what doesn't. And then when I'm painting, I think I have an idea of what I want the the feeling to be. 
And so I'll start with one color and then we'll apply the, another color next to it. And really it just, it's in relation to each other. And so I think, like I think about it in terms of, of music and, and volume, like so sometimes when I paint a certain color, I think, oh, okay, then that color would work well next to it. And then, and then suddenly the original color that I put down just doesn't sit right. So then you sort of need to turn the volume up and down until like it sort of just like hums <laughs> at, the, at the right level. And I think that's when color really, really works. I think in my work is when it's reacting off each other and you're not even questioning why those colors are there, but they just seem to like sort of naturally come together in the end, even though, you know, if you sort of put them separately, they might kind of look a bit jarring, but then within the painting, it just sort of fits. It's an interesting analogy you made about um, sound then or, or uh, the humming. Uh, I think it's a, a perfect metaphor as well. So, so following on from that, um, is sound or music important to you? Is this, um, is that a, you know, I can just imagine now you've mentioned that if I was to think about uh, the different sounds of those places, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I listen to, I listen to a lot of music, especially when working. I actually find it quite difficult to, to not listen to, to anything when I'm working. And I think music, it, I don't know, it's funny to think about whether it affects the way you paint. I try to think about that a lot, whether like a certain song I was listening to at the time, you know, I think sometimes music can uh, make you, can affect your artwork in a really unconscious way. You know, sometimes it's just playing along in the background, but sort of passively changing the mood of a space. You know, you might, um, it's the same way that operates when you're like shopping or in like really kind of mundane spaces like that, but it's still really, it's there, you know, and it's affecting your mood, whether you realize it or not. And I think it, it probably does um, then, in fact, change some aspects of the painting. And then sometimes, you know, like I'll name, sometimes I'll name some paintings after lyrics that I like or, you know, so it's, um, yeah, I would say it's, it's a presence in, in the work, at least when I'm making it anyway. So what's, so uh... Just curious to know, do you have any recommendations for any any music we should be listening to during these very odd times? Uh, oh gosh! Not to put I, you on the spot. That's the worst question ever. I feel very uh, on the spot. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I have any like names at the moment. But um, yeah, I have like these endless playlists um, that I have. Like I just have studio playlists, and they're just filled of things that I I like. And there's just different. Uh, different moods for different kind of types of day like if it's a if it's a stretching canvas kind of day you know it's going to be <laughs> a bit more upbeat and <laughs> I'm imagining like heavy metal <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes you know you've got to go back to like listening to Nirvana or something and then <laughs> then you can get loads of work done it's uh, it's interesting I used to have a tutor uh, on my BA and because uh, she'd always find me listening to music when I was working and she said it drove her crazy like she uh <laughs> she just didn't understand why some people always had to have music on and uh, yeah and I, I, ever since then I've thought about it a lot and I tried to um stop myself but I I'm just the type of person just like you I think who has these playlists and it's um I don't know I think it's it is the humming isn't it I need 
sometimes you need the humming to help you work or something. The, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's really interesting um, what people get up to in their studios as well. So currently, uh, I'm aware that you are working. Uh, you actually have a studio share, uh, but you're moving studios, aren't you? Um, yeah. To a new one. So I'm moving studios in about two weeks. Um, so I'm quite excited because it it feels like a painter's studio. And when I walked in to see the space, I really did feel like oh, I could see myself being really comfortable here and wanting to be here a lot um yeah it's just got two of the walls are just giant windows <laughs> and um and there's these built-in desks which are built to the height where you could work standing up and um just the thought of being able to draw on these massive desks is really it's really exciting to me so yeah I'm in the process of of packing up my current studio which I really detest packing so <laughs> it's taking me a long time um I just always forget how long it takes to wrap paintings and I don't want to be careless about anything so it's just taking yeah it always takes much longer than I think it would be so I'm aware that um you were gonna have a show uh, a solo show called Impossible Garden um, yeah. so is the work still at the gallery or was it hung already uh, it was about to be packed and sent to the gallery. Oh no, so, it so it's all... all in. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's just sitting there waiting to be shown. Uh, I know it's funny, isn't it? Because we were meant to sort of record the podcast maybe in the gallery yeah. itself, looking at the work. So yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was before lockdown really busy preparing for this show, um, but just really excited by it actually because I'd been, hadn't had a, solo show for a while I've been in lots of really interesting group shows lately but I think I've been making work for me that I wanted to put together in a space and for it to be seen together and also for me just to you know it's really useful for, for artists to have all their work suddenly in a space and you know if you're going be lucky enough to have that opportunity to see how they all relate to each other and also get the feedback from your peers and um who want to come see the show so yeah I was I was just really excited to, to have it and uh it's been postponed till October so I'm hoping I'm hoping that we'll still be able to go ahead so um what's the um theme for the show could you tell us about a little bit more about um how that came about and uh the work that you're intending to show in October yeah so the um paintings I think um some of which are a few years old now uh, where I started um, a series of paintings from certain gardens that I visited um, either in Morocco and, and then more recently Spain um, but again these are just sort of parts of it and they're still intermingled with um, my own personal memories and other places that I've been um, but I really wanted to bring all of these kind of landscape paintings together to try and see if, first of all, if the show would look like a paint, like a series of paintings about one particular space. Um, but I also wanted to use the paintings to kind of invite this discussion about what kind of landscape would mean. Like, what does um like like for me, a landscape is not just about the physical landscape in which we explore or react to but it's also one I think that is is psychological 
and I think now more than ever you know a lot because we can't travel so much and we might not be able to in the future a lot of the travel that we will do will be um to places of imagination or somewhere that we kind of invent for ourselves so I think what I wanted to look at in this in this show was you know what what are the things that make us want to travel what are the things that make us think of somewhere that remind us of these places and then to also think about why we're asking those questions as well um you know why does this particular color make me think of this building that i saw in this particular city and uh so i really wanted to kind of mine those things even further um and another thing i wanted to to think about with the show as well was also the way paintings inhabit space themselves and okay, I touched upon it earlier but the way that a painting can change the atmosphere in a room just by being hung on the wall and um, I've been thinking a lot more about like the placement of my paintings and in particular you know what happens when a painting is hung on the wall and how um so i when i think about that i um i paint a lot of the edges of my canvases like a particular color because i think there's something interesting that happens between the moment where the painting meets the wall and the edge of the canvas itself and and i've been thinking about how paintings in their afterlife they're usually you know typically in a very uh pejorative sense they just you know they go to a domestic space or they go to someone's home to to live in and was thinking about this idea of a painting as like a domestic object and not just this sort of static thing that happens that just exists in a gallery but what happens to the painting afterwards as well and where does it move on to potentially so if it's lucky enough to go to a house afterwards um like how to invoke that feeling of a painting in its domestic space as well and changing the gallery into sort of blurring the boundaries like I guess between the gallery and like maybe a domestic space as well somewhere like a bit more personal and like a yeah a bit more maybe like solitary do you um do you get the opportunity to see your work in uh, the people's houses that have bought your work did they did um, they send you a photograph or have you managed to go over and see it yourself yeah i mean there's been maybe only one or two occasions where i've been like physically been able to do, to to see it installed in a space um but yeah sometimes they get sent photos and but most of the time i just have no idea <laughs> um and i think sometimes it's probably for the best <laughs> <laughs> in what way <laughs> i don't know i don't want to seem really ungrateful but like you know you just don't want to be disappointed in where it's been placed or you know <laughs> what wall or what, it's hanging the, what the on yeah what the furniture looks like or... <laughs> exactly you know it's just that's probably too much information for the artist so i think yeah it's just maybe best to leave these things unknown <laughs> <laughs> i find it really interesting i've heard of other people uh curating their own work in other people's houses and i love the idea <laughs> that they would just give you free reign and you could go in there and pick Maybe you'd put it in the bathroom, I don't know, but it's interesting to think, isn't it? Um, I know. Gosh, that's really interesting. I haven't actually, uh, no, I've never been given that opportunity, unfortunately, but if someone's brave well, enough. Well, if anyone's <laughs> out there and uh, yeah. around in October and would like to uh, see some of Cara's work and buy some <laughs> and then let her put it in their house, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. If Sarge is listening. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but it is an interesting conversation to have, isn't it, about um, where the work ends up. And also, it has a life a lot longer, hopefully, than, than you may do yourself. So the work could end up being, being in multiple houses or passed on or sold on. And um, the artifact itself takes on a completely different life after the artist has, um, has painted it. It's quite a staggering thought, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I still find it totally fascinating that, you know, these things that I make alone in a in a room somewhere and someone finds it interesting enough to, you know, like not to minimise the work, but, you know, at the very kind of base level, sometimes, I, you know, I still get surprised by that, like that, that someone's interested enough to, to want to keep it with them. So, yeah, it's a really amazing thing. It's interesting right now as well that um, we are at home a lot and the conversations about what home is, a lot of people are kind of redecorating or at least thinking of their home life a little bit more intentionally, I think. Um, I wonder if um, it's obviously going to be hard for galleries to show work quite yet and we'll see what happens with that. But I wonder if um, people will become a little bit more thoughtful about buying artwork and maybe if we can't travel as much as we used to um maybe those type of things will become quite important to people again or more important um it's interesting that you mentioned about travel though um do you do you do you think it will impact your your practice if you can't travel no i think actually it'll probably um enrich it in a kind of way by having that restriction because i think then you know be a place that is even more focused on um a place that is imagined or or conjured up um so i think for me it's kind of given me more it's given me more of a drive just to carry on imagining all these different places that i want to paint and and visit in my paintings so uh yeah i'm quite excited by that actually it's interesting because you mentioned about the the painting that had been done on the side of the construction site boards. Um, it is true, isn't it, that you can find even in the most tiniest little corners of anywhere something interesting to uh, to find. Um, yeah, do you find yourself exploring in that way, kind of just always looking around for for the material? Yeah, I think I like those. Um, I th- I think they're like acts of painting that you find accidentally especially in urban areas or in cities where either someone's come along to to cover up some graffiti and then they've painted over that graffiti but that in turn becomes a painting in itself because it looks like a different color to the one that's already there and I think there's all the way sometimes like a, someone has chosen to paint uh, their front door in a in a way that's different to to the rest of the street so i think there's a lot of things that i i find really um useful for my own paintings and and i'll take those references where there is a a color or maybe it might be an architectural detail that i find really interesting um but the, for me like i'll take a quick photo of it and then i'll i'll see if it can sort of work its way into a painting later on there's um there's one more thought uh there's one more thing i wanted to ask you about um which is the color of the skies i know you mentioned about placing the colors um together and you're quite thoughtful about that i'm just curious to know um when it comes to the skies in your work i find there's something kind of 
slightly menacing about it because it's not uh, a standard color of the sky if that makes sense there's 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 like to me this is maybe me being a bit um, apocalyptic but there's something kind of wrong about them if that makes sense like there's pollution or um, am I just thinking am I thinking too much about this no not at all I, I quite like that pollution you brought up I think that's a first for me uh yeah I think it's funny because you mentioned sort of feeling lost earlier and someone a friend of mine told me before that um he finds them sort of like prison like because they've got these really high walls um but then they've got these bright colors so these things kind of juxtapose each other uh but it's funny with the sky because I find skies quite difficult to they're usually one of the last things I paint actually um because I think it really determines the whole mood of the painting and I think because it kind of I'm always trying to defer from like what time of day this might be in the painting so for me the sky is like a real indication of that and so I try to think of like a really unsky like color like probably one that you would never see unless you were in some kind of apocalyptic world or some yeah ecological disaster but like the sky for me has to really kind of not look so real or from or from a memory of like maybe a really beautiful sunset that you saw but when Uh. you try to actually you know like when you try to paint sunsets they you know they just tend to look like not the same so yeah it's it's playing on those feelings too I think the reason why I thought of that is because I have my own memory of um, being younger, uh, maybe like eight or nine. And I remember um, there was like a citywide um, curfew put on one day because there was like multiple clouds going across in different colors. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I think it was like some kind of chemical problem. And, was this here? Um, Where was this? This was in Yorkshire where I grew up. And, um, yeah, it was so strange because we were all looking up and we saw it. There was like, it wasn't the full sky, but it was m- lots of weird colored clouds. And we were like, that doesn't look normal. And we were just kids. And eventually I think the teachers came and put us inside the ha- in the school. And then we found out that they were calling around and there was things on the radio and things like that about it. Yeah. But yeah, for like 24 hours, we had to close our windows and uh, yeah, protect ourselves. So and considering what's um, the most recent things around climate change and obviously all those things, yeah, I, I, I can't help but think of those things. Obviously, there's a lot going on now, and that's in my head. But it's interesting, isn't it, that these memories, going back to memory and childhood, and, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, that, that colourful cloud in the sky is still in my head somewhere. It's interesting. Yeah, and it's funny thinking then, I mean, when you mentioned about wanting to close your windows and sort of your home is, again, your refuge and, you know, like the idea that you feel safest there. I mean, you know, would would you truly be safe there? And I think, you know, like me, <laughs> when I, the spaces that I paint, you know, I'm, I'm asking myself the same thing, you know, would, is this the space that I can, I find myself where I could, you know, feel free or feel a sense of I can be who I want to be like free of like the the burdens that I feel are sometimes placed on me or the questions that are asked of me like is this the space that allows me to have that kind of liberation 
um, or safety from those things. It's such a, yeah, the whole idea of safety space and home and and locked in and it's, it's, there's a lot to unpick here and I think we'll be doing that for a long time, won't we, when it comes to uh, the, the time we're in right now. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's, uh, well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, and so you, sh- you said the show would be hopefully on in October. Um, whereabouts will that be? Um, so it's on a space uh, in, um, in Fitzrovia, London, in Great Titchfield Street. Um, it's with uh, Tamor Graham, who's a gallerist slash art advisor. Um, so he does a pop-up show, so he doesn't have a fixed space. Um, but he, what's interesting is that he finds um, different spaces around London and sort of then finds artists to be in those spaces. So I think it's actually an interesting relationship where um, I can, especially because space is so important in my work, like within the paintings and the hanging. So um, yeah, the, the space itself is has got some really interesting details. And uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to installing my work there eventually. So he's not your um, gallerist in a normal sense, is that right? What's the relationship? Yeah, that's correct. How does the relationship uh, work? He, um, he doesn't represent artists, but he um, just finds artists that whose work he really likes. And um, I guess he works, he works as well with a lot of artists who don't necessarily um, have had many shows um, under their belt. And so his his thing is to try and um, sort of give like a platform for artists who whose work he finds interesting and he has like a really broad network so um yeah I'm, I'm excited to be working with him sounds interesting as well a different different ways of um, working with galleries curators and uh, spaces um, I think it's definitely needed more and more of a diverse uh, artistic community isn't it um so, Will uh, will everything be on sale there as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there'll be some new works as well that I've made um, between now and then. So, yeah, it might look like a completely different show as the one I had <laughs> planned in March. So, uh, yeah, I don't know when this kind of thing would ever happen again. So, <laughs> it's it's going to be strange for sure. Well, um, I wish you luck for that as well. And I wish you luck in your new studio and uh, cracking on with new work because um, it has been hard to get go. I- I've found it hard to be making work at the moment. Um, I'm not sure about yourself. Um, have you found it hard? A little bit. I think when this first started happen- um, when this first started happening, I just had all these, I was flipping between like feelings of elation because oh great I've been given the gift of time and then and then suddenly like frustration because I couldn't find a way in which to actually make the work because I felt oh because I have time I should be making work and then it was this the pressure of productivity which I know a lot of people have been talking about um but I really felt it quite strongly and uh yeah and I think and also I guess with the sadness that came from having to postpone the show so like going to my studio was actually quite difficult for me because suddenly there was all this work there which I intended to show and then I was already like sort of feeling tired from that thinking I would have a break kind of a nice break from making work but now I sort of felt like I had to keep going but I couldn't find the energy in which to do so um so yeah but actually I've been drawing a lot 
and uh, and yeah, once I've packed my current studio and moved to the new one, um, yeah, hopefully it's just going to be more straightforward from there. Well, fingers crossed, and uh, I know your your show's going to be great. I hope to be able to uh, to visit. Fingers crossed, yeah. it's actually going to be in October because we don't know yet, do we? I know, um, I know. So it's a big a question issue. mark. <laughs> There's a big question mark at the end of it. So we shall see. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're very welcome. And uh, hope to see you again soon.